Welcome again to Calvary Baptist Church of Burbank, where we're doing another little video devotional. Um, today I want to talk, uh, if I may, about the names of God. And, and specifically, I want to talk about some different Hebrew names that are used to refer to God in the Old Testament and how that impacts how we view Jesus in the New Testament. And specifically, um, what we're looking at ultimately is the answer to a question that the scholars have wrestled with for years. Famously, um, almost 30 years ago, um, an Australian scholar called Murray Harris wrote a book, uh, Jesus as God, that was dealing with all the times in the New Testament that Jesus is referred to as God. And if you didn't know, there's very few of them. I mean, we're familiar with John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, John 1.18, for all of you, unless apart from those who use the King James and the New King James. There's John 20, verse 28, uh, Romans 9.5, Titus 2.13, uh, 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, and there's a handful of them, but it's single digits. Um, and there are not a lot of references in the New Testament where Jesus is explicitly called God. The Greek word for God, theos, he's just not called that very often. And yet we passionately believe that Jesus is God. Not only do we believe that he's God, that it, it, it's a core and central doctrine to our faith. It, it's one that distinguishes us as Christians from, from the pseudo-Christian cults. And, and it, it's a very important doctrine. And, and the question that therefore is, if this is such an important doctrine, and, and, and the, cult, the cults, cultists at this point might even question us. If this is so important, if this is so crucial, why is even in your understanding this, this terminology used of Jesus so few times? One of the, the quotes that often goes around Christian circles on this particular topic is one by another scholar, R.T. France, who, who references the fact that he says, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing very loosely from memory here, but he, he says something along the lines of, in, in the cultural uh, milieu of, of the first century Palestine, it's not surprising that he's called God so infrequently but that he's called God at all and I understand the point of that but it doesn't really for me answer the question if Jesus is God then why is he not called God on a far more frequent occurrence than we see in the New Testament how is it possible for such a central doctrine to to be only found the number of times you know fewer times than the fingers on our hands I mean how, how's that possible and so I think the answer to this is to go back to the Old Testament, ironically, and to look at the names of God. Now, many of you will have studied the names of God. and You will know multiple names of God. You know, uh, many of you will know them from worship songs. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. You know, things like that. And we, we have these sort of double-barreled, as it were, names, you know, Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai. But, but these names of God they seem to all revolve around three key terms. There is the word El or Elohim in the plural, often used as a singular, meaning simply God. Um, there is Adonai, which means Lord. And then there is this mysterious word, Yahweh, or sometimes referred to as Jehovah, which is the very name of God. We're not sure exactly how to pronounce it. 
Um, hence being able to have both Yahweh and Jehovah that in English sound completely different. Because for years, the pronunciation of that word was hidden from people. The vowels that the, the, the Hebrew letters would have to aid pronunciation of the word were, were not retained in memory, were not reproduced, so that no one could take the name of God in vain. And that, that whole misunderstanding we'll have to leave for another day. But suffice to say that nobody wanted to express the name of God in Jewish culture, and so that it fell fell out of use. But the letters, the YHVH, the Tetragammon, the, the, the name of God, that that name is who he is. And so when we have a name like Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah is the name of God, that is who he is uniquely, and Jireh is referring to his provision. He is the God who provides. When we have El Shaddai, El is God, El as in El Elohim, God, and then Shaddai is talking about him being God Almighty, God El Shaddai, God Almighty. And, and so there are these different names for God, but they have these, these portions of them that either involve Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai, or El. And I, and I think that one thing that would be really helpful for us to do is to understand the distinction between those three terms. Adonai is referring, uh, you know, scholars would go into far more detail and perhaps speak of my inaccuracy here, but in a very vague and you know, broad sense, Adonai is speaking of God being Lord. The word Lord is typically used to translate it. And God is, he is Lord, he is boss, he is in charge, he is master, he is in control. Then there is, and so, and so that word is speaking essentially of his role. It's speaking about who he is and, and, and what he does. When we look at the, the name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, we're talking then about who he is as a person. And in the Old Testament, his name is so strongly linked with his attributes, his character, who he is. And so when Moses in Exodus 33 and then going into 34, when he famously asked God to show him his glory, that in chapter 33, in chapter 34 of Exodus, where that, that, that uh, exposing of God's glory to Moses in a new way happens, that the, 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 the revealing of God's glory to Moses is, is so strongly linked to the name of God and to the character of God. It's as if his glory, his name and his attributes are almost synonymous and indistinguishable. And so when we see the, the name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, we're dealing with who he is in his character, in his being, in his very essence. When we, when we deal with Adonai, we're dealing with, with his role, perhaps, for want of a better word. Then when we have this word El Elohim, which is typically translated God, we think of that referring to him because he is God. And we would use the word God to refer only to God. But even in English, we understand that you can use the word God with a little g to refer to creatures other than God, with a capital G. False gods, idols, demons even. The term is used in those ways. What surprises some people is that maybe even if as many as a quarter of the times that the word El or Elohim is used in the Old Testament, it doesn't actually refer to Yahweh. It refers to other beings of a spiritual nature, whether they be false gods, 
perhaps what we might call demons, whether it's the heavenly host, the angelic realm. And that's why you have expressions like Yahweh being the God above all gods. If, if he's the only God, then there's no other gods for him to be above. He's just God. But the reality is that there are other gods, but they are not him. Hence, the Old Testament teaching so strongly that he is holy. He is set apart. He is nothing like those other gods. He is distinct from them. And so when I look at the word El as a description of God, I'm thinking less of his person, Yahweh, less of his role as Lord, Adonai, his position, perhaps better. But with the word El, I'm thinking of the realm of God, that the, the Elohim are those beings of the unseen realm as opposed to the realm of the physical and the seen. They are the realm of the angelic realm rather than the human realm. They are those beings, good and bad, that have been created by God that aren't part of the human realm. That is what El and Elohim means in the broadest sense. Now, obviously, three quarters of the time, it refers to one particular spiritual being, which is God. That's not to be disputed. Now, why is that important? Well, if you're still with me at this point, the reason that it's important is simply this, that when these different names are used of God, they're focusing on different things. When his name is used, it's pointing to his character, Yahweh. When, when El is used in a name of God, such as El Shaddai, then it is focusing on the realm in which he dwells and in which he, he is, and the type of being he is in a sense. And Adonai speaks more of his role, his position, his, you know, him as Lord. Now, when the Hebrew Bible came to be translated into Greek, we're going to keep this, make a very long story, very short here. But when it came to happen, how do you translate the name of God? A name that they didn't even know how to pronounce. A name that if they even could translate, they wouldn't translate because they didn't want the name of God taken in vain. How do you translate an untranslatable name that they have no desire to translate? What do you do in the translation? And what they did is they translated the Hebrew word, the name of God, Yahweh, Jehovah, as the Greek word kurios, which simply means Lord. And then, of course, with Adonai, which means Lord, they're translating that as Lord as well. And therefore, you have this duplication of the Greek word for Lord for both Adonai and for Yahweh. In our English Bibles today, which are predominantly translated directly from the original languages, we, we have a way of distinguishing them. You might notice in your Old Testament that often the word Lord is in capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R and capital D. That tells us, it indicates to us that what is being translated is the Hebrew word Yahweh, Jehovah, the name of God. Whereas when you see Lord with a capital L, but with a little O and a little R and a little D, that there it is a translation of the Hebrew Adonai. And thus in our English versions, we have that distinction so that we know when the name of God is being used. When I'm teaching and preaching at church, I routinely, as I'm reading from my Bible, I typically teach from the ESV, and I come across Lord in capital letters, I often just say out loud Yahweh instead of Lord, so the congregation knows that we're speaking of the name of God. So then when we read our English Old Testaments, we can distinguish between Yahweh and Adonai. We can distinguish between him as a person and him as Lord. But that's not true for the entirety of the Bible. Because you see, in the New Testament, the word Lord is used an awful lot of times. 
And there is no distinguishing because in one sense, there doesn't need to be any distinguishing. The Greek word for Lord, as I've already said, kurios, is, is just translated into English Lord. So every time in your English New Testament, you see the word Lord, they're just translating the Greek kurios. But see, the question still remains in the mind of the speaker when they use the word Lord, these Hebrew people in, for example, the Gospels, what are they referring to when they say Lord? Once uh, in a study at our church on a Tuesday night, we have our midweek studies on Tuesday nights, all are welcome once the coronavirus has passed to come and join us on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. And in one of our informal meetings uh, on a Tuesday night, we went through this and we went through Luke chapter one and we went through every single reference of the word Lord here in the New Testament. No distinguishing, but, you know, it's just translating the same Greek word. And we went and we looked and we said, so these Hebrew people, these Jewish people, when they use the word Lord, what are they referring to? Are they referring to Adonai, the Lordship of God, or are they referring to Yahweh, the name of God? And the answer is, we found, was that the majority of time you could come to a fairly safe conclusion over which they were using, and the majority of that time the the reference they were making was to the name of God, Yahweh, as opposed to him being Lord. Now, why is that important? It's important for several reasons. And some of them, I think, are going to be really helpful to us. I think the first reason it's really important that we understand that is this. We as Christians read our Bibles and we hear the expression, Jesus is Lord. And we take that to mean Jesus is boss. Have you embraced the lordship of Jesus, we say, meaning have you accepted that he's in charge and, and bowed the knee before him? But the reality is, is that that's part of the Adonai concept. Whereas more often than not, the word Lord, when used in the New Testament, is actually conceptually linking intertextually to the Old Testament to the reference of Yahweh or Jehovah of the name of God. So that when we look at uh, when we look at the use of Lord in the New Testament and Jesus being Lord, that more often than not, we're not seeing that Jesus is boss, but that Jesus is Yahweh, the name of God, that he is God. And, and this then is why we see Jesus referred to so few times as, as Theos, as God. Because Theos is essentially saying what the Old Testament said in the word Elo Elohim. It, it, it's saying that Jesus, when it says Jesus is God, it's saying that he is Elo El, Elohim. He is God, which is emphasizing his realm. And so that is used infrequently in the New Testament because that is not the emphasis of the New Testament. Let's think about this for a moment. In John 1, 1, we're told this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning, we have the Word that we, we see as a reference to Jesus, clearly, as, as the text develops. And, and Jesus is there, the Word, in the beginning, and he is with God. He's with the God, literally. He is with the Father and yet distinct from him. And yet at the same time, he is God. And why is Jesus referred to as God? 
at that point in history, because that is at the beginning. And in the beginning, Jesus is Theos, God El Elohim. He is in the realm of the Elohim. That is who he is and that is where he is. He is a spiritual being in the spiritual realm. But you see, in John's gospel, as it develops, as we get to chapter 1 and verse 14, which we referenced a couple of devotionals ago, it says this, that the word became flesh. There's a point in human history where he leaves that realm. He ceases to be solely Elohim and he becomes human. He always was Elohim and he still is Elohim. But now he is man as well, fully man and fully God. And so the emphasis of the New Testament is quite logically and unexpectedly not that Jesus is El, because the emphasis of Jesus in the New Testament is not that he is this distant God off in the spiritual realm who is unseeable and untouchable, but rather that Jesus became man so that he could be our compassionate high priest, so that he could empathize with us, so that he could suffer and die in our place for our sins. That the, the humanity of Jesus Christ is so utterly central to his message. And that means that the reference to him as God is taking away from that to some degree. And that what we want to say is that Jesus is God in the sense of character, in the sense of attributes, more than we're saying he's in a different realm than us. And that's the key point here. And that is why the New Testament writers routinely referred to the deity of Jesus Christ by not saying that he was God, Old Testament L, New Testament Theos, but by saying that he was Lord, New Testament Kurios, Old Testament Yahweh. Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. He is that person. He is that character. He is that one who is full of covenant keeping love. He is that one who is the fullest expression of all the wonderful attributes of God. That the things that make God the Father God exist equally in the Son and make him God equally too. He is Yahweh. He is that one. And routinely we see that. And I know it's been a bit longer this one. And I'll just finish off by giving you an example of how the New Testament writers do this. In the book of Philippians and chapter 2, where Paul speaks of the humbling of Christ, who, uh, though he was in the form of God, verse 6, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here, the context is clearly Jesus leaving the realm of the Elohim. It is about him humbling himself by becoming a man. It would be grossly inappropriate in that context, I think, to refer to him as Theos. Because the whole point is he's no longer, yes, he is still Theos, yes, he is still is Elohim, but the whole point is his humility. It is his humanity. And 
in that passage, it's speaking that he is equal with God. He is God. And yet, despite that, he comes and humbles himself by becoming human and by dying on a cross. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So who is it who then, after his humiliation, exalts Jesus? It's God. We have the Father, God, distinct from Jesus. So is Jesus somehow not God? No, that's not the point. The point is that the Father, who is, and always has been, and always will be, in the realm of the Elohim, solely, that he glorifies the Christ who has emptied himself. He super exalts him so that every knee will bow and that every tongue will confess and confess what? That Jesus is Lord. Now, if we're under any illusion here as to what this reference to Lord means, whether it means he's boss Adonai or whether it means that he is Yahweh, God himself, it is totally made clear for us by the fact that Paul is not simply writing this out of nothing, but he's quoting to us from Isaiah 45. And in Isaiah 45, the knee bowing and the tongue confessing is confessing and bowing to Yahweh. It is speaking of Yahweh. And he is quoting this text and where the Greek Old Testament would have translated Yahweh as kurios, Paul is taking that kurios, that Lord, and he is applying it to Christ. Paul is abundantly and inexcusably clear here. There is zero doubt here for us that what Paul is saying is that Jesus is Yahweh. And what is going to happen is that because he took the realm of man, because he left the realm of the Elohim, the God, the father in the realm of the Elohim is going to highly exalt him so that every single person will bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Yahweh, that he is as much God as the father is God. That not only does his descent to humanity not stop him from being God, but rather conversely, it means that in his exaltation, everybody will recognize that he is God. That his deity is made clearer through his humanity and through his death than it ever was in eternity past. The glorification of Christ because of his humanity declaring his deity. And that is why, my friends, God, the word God, is used so infrequently of Jesus. And each time it is, by the way, there is a contextual reason why it is used, because it is looking at the realm of Christ seated now in glory, the realm of Christ from eternity past. But far more frequently, as we should expect, the emphasis in the New Testament on the deity of Christ is done not through the word God, but through the word Lord, because he is the Yahweh of the Old Testament. And when you understand that, 
When you read your New Testament, aware of that possibility, when you look at the context of each use of the word Lord in the Old Testament, when you see the times that Paul and Peter in various passages, Romans 10, 1 Peter 3, 1 Corinthians 15, where Old Testament texts referring to Yahweh are applied to Jesus, where he is called Lord. When you see it more and more, you recognise that the Bible doesn't speak of the deity of Christ a few times like the fingers on your hand but rather that the deity of Christ is a doctrine that saturates the New Testament. It is everywhere. It permeates through, throughout the entirety of the New Testament. The deity of Christ is not a concept that was invented by a later generation of the church. It's not even a New Testament concept at the end of the day. The idea that the Messiah would be both man and God is an Old Testament concept, but perhaps we'll talk about that another day. Suffice to say for now this, when you read your New Testament, when you read through it and you come across the word Lord, have a think. Have a think contextually. Have a think. Have a look at your, if you've got a cross reference in your Bible, see if there's any Old Testament passages being used. But ask yourself this question. Is this passage saying that Jesus is boss or that Jesus is Yahweh? And I think you'll find that in the majority of times that it's used, it refers to him as Yahweh. Jesus is God. And that's why we can trust him. God bless you.